With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Blue Shirts fans and Madison Street Maniacs. Welcome back to the Worst Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike Breezy with my co-host Nick. Nick, say hi. Not only is this the worst hockey podcast, but this is hands down probably the worst morning we've done this. That is facts. That is true. But nonetheless, the show must go on. So we will continue forward and act like nothing bad has happened today. Yay. so if let's just get this one off the jump real quick. A lot of injuries going around. Let's start with the Wonder Boy CB98. Dude, yeah, okay. So <clears throat> for those that aren't abreast with Chicago Blackhawk lore, um, in the game against New Jersey, um, I don't care what anyone says. This was a clean hit. I'm not, you know, faulting Brendan Smith for it by any means. Um, you know, it was just a victim of circumstance, I guess you could say. Connor Bedard was skating in open ice with his jaw unclenched, took a hit high ish, more shoulder level. Um, but if you hit shoulder level, you're bound to hit head anyway. Jesus. Um, and uh, just caught him wrong, ended up fracturing his jaw. So originally he was going to be out four to six weeks. Now report came back that he had successful jaw surgery. Now he's going to be out six to eight weeks. Kind of ruins the mood for the all-star game. Yeah. I'm, that's the, my son is very upset about it. <laughs> that's not good. Um, I, who the fuck do you send now? Especially if Nick Felino's hurt. Who the fuck oh, is the all star you send? Oh yeah, oh, I I guess send, so. I'm sending either Kershev or Jason Dickinson. And the, given the fact that it's in Toronto, I say send Peter Morazic just for jokes. Yeah, I mean it is pretty stacked with goalies this year, but I I get your point. The memes would be there. Um, but more shit, more dude. like on a serious note though, send Jason Dickinson. Dude's been on fire since November. Uh, it just feels like every game that he plays, he has a hand. If there's a goal, if the Blackhawks score a goal, he has a hand in that goal. Um, yeah, I'm sending Jason Dickinson, honestly. I mean, Kurashev does, uh, he, he does make a case, but I don't know. Jason Dickinson has kind of been a little bit more on fire more than anything else. Um, so Fair I'm enough. sending him, to be honest with you. As non-Chicago lore appreciator, just a watcher casually, I, I do see him a lot. And he does, he does, he does make himself known, right? He's noticeable. Dickinson no, is for, for real. And it's not just, you know, as far as like point sheet, he's, he's sitting there setting up passes. He's setting up breaks, um, blocking shots, getting in the way of passes. He just, he did. He's an all around hockey player that you want on your squad. And <clears throat> I hope that he, I, you know, in all honesty, I understand the, the meaning for this season, right? He, you know, you bring in a lot of vets to usher in the new guys and all that. You have some journeymen who couldn't really make it stick with one team, comes over to this team to try to make a name for themselves, i.e., um, I guess you could say Ryan Donato. Uh, Jason Dickinson is one of them for sure. Um, you know, uh, Rem Pitlick, who we just picked up. Jason Menga, who we just picked up. Um, Zach Hansen, who's another... Hansen? Zach Sanborn? What? No, Zach Sanford. Jesus. <laughs> Chris Hansen from Dateline NBC just got a deal. I heard. Chris so that's pretty cool. Signed a three-year contract. Um, but 
no, like you, you have a lot of guys who are just kind of like, for lack of a better phrase, still trying to make, make a place stick. Right. Um, Jason Dickinson is one of them. Um, I feel like his, he's, we're teetering on like, okay, your production is there, but also your trade value is really high. Like Peter Morazic's is right now. Um, dude, he stood on his head against, uh, with the game against Edmonton and the game against Winnipeg that we just, that we just had, um, Stood on his head. Obviously, the lack of defense is showing. Um, well, we'll get into the, this week's review of the Hawks anyway a little bit later in the episode. But um, going back to Jason Dickinson, you know he's he's making a case for himself as to why you know he is a very high, highly sought after, I guess, third line to fourth line winger. Um, I, I hope he sticks around. I hope they give him a contract extension to really, to be honest with you. I just, I think he's a good fit. He's that mix of like older, but like older veteran and, and younger forward. But I, I hope he sticks around. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be good too. But I, before we get into any more good stuff, I think we have to just finish this off because it's like the new year popped off and it hasn't just been since the start of January, but I mean, the injuries are fucking taking its toll on everybody right now. And since we were talking about New Jersey and talking about the team's generational talents, uh, I'll just throw all these out there and then we can have a conversation about all of them. There's um, Jack Hughes, who's out. I think he's upper body. There is um, Trevor Zegris is out. He, like, hurt his ankle. He and- broke his ankle. Yeah, he broke it's- his ankle. His, his He's out the same amount of time as Connor Bedard. Not good. Also, Mika Zibanejad is day-to-day with um, what they're saying is just sick, like he's got a cold or like the flu or oh, something, but but I don't fucking believe anyone anymore. You don't, you don't believe anything. anyone regardless. Like you, We've had this whole discussion like when the Corey Perry shit was happening. Like You have zero faith in any team's front office, any team's PR, or any team's beat writers. You have zero faith in any of them. Yeah, I have to keep it close to the chest because they're saying that he's out because he caught the flu, and I find that he's having fucking hip dysplasia replacement surgery because they don't want to fucking make him seem weak or, I don't know, not be targeted at the hips when he's playing so people don't re-break his hip. I don't know. I, I won't be surprised, right? It- it's it's scary when you get on there and you see that Mika Zibanejad is DTD, bro. It makes you makes you scared. Oh, oh, you're scared about one player being DTD? You're scared about that? I mean, it's Mika Zibanejad, dude. Man, Come fuck on. you. We have, have nine, a heart. we have nine players out on injury reserve right now. Have fuck a heart. Fuck you, scared. Uh, well, Jacob Truba's about to have his kid, so he's going to be out a game or two, too. So have a heart for us, okay? No, you I don't know what it's like. No, I will not have a heart for you. Not when nine Blackhawks have not played. Like the, the Seth Jones has been out since fucking November. Because like, their hips no, are I weak. I will not have a heart right now. It's because their I am hips are a weak, fucking bro. jaded Blackhawks fan right now. Hey man, because Amanda has a cold, you should send him some flowers because he needs to get better. We need him to come back. Don't be rude. I'm. I'm gonna be rude. I'm not gonna be rude. I'm just gonna be salty. <laughs> Um, well, here's something, here's something that we can pivot into to make you forget about this and not kill me in my sleep, because this is something that I think needs to be talked about. Um, Mr. William Nylander. Holy shit. What a, yeah. What a fucking contract there, dude. Um, was it eight years, 88 million or something like that? 92. 92? 92 million, bro. That's crazy. Dude, that's absolutely fucking unreal. Also, um, it kind of hurts because I really thought that that contract negotiations were going to stall out with him and and uh, and Toronto, and I was kind of hoping Chicago was going to swoop in and be like underdogs of the free. You agency hope that market. everyone everyone can get swooped up by Chicago, but yeah. eleven and a half million average for Nylander. Uh, secure your bag, buddy. Do your thing. But here's the problem I have with this. Right, I'm not saying that NHL players shouldn't make more than they make because they absolutely should right if you have basketball players making the ungodly amount i mean car quarterback for the raiders was like what 165 million a season just to lose like that that was silly but you know if you're talking in terms of this league 11 and a half is a lot right all that 11 no, and a sure. half does 
all that 11 and a half does is price you out of going anywhere else. It's the same thing with Artemi Panarin. Is Artemi good? Hell yeah. Does he deserve that? Probably. He probably deserves more than that, right? But all that does is stick him there. And I think that half of the half of the fun, not necessarily for me, right? But half of the fun and most of the skill that comes with the NHL is knowing when to grab someone from another team, when to let somebody go. It forces you to be stuck with Nylander and it forces you to be stuck with Panarin. Now, don't get me wrong. I want to be stuck with Panarin. I don't want him to go anywhere. But it creates an environment where you cannot get rid of them. There's no chance to. I mean, maybe you have to wait till the last year and then like Rangers will consume half that contract or 75% of that contract or whatever because they really hate the guy. But the, again, the cap gymnastics make it hard and it just kind of sucks when someone gets signed to a big... Because, like, I mean, dude, he could be a bust in four years or he could get hurt or whatever and never come back the same and it's like he can't go anywhere. $11.5 million of your cap space is gone. I mean, Toronto's all in on what they're all in on. I'm not going to get into what their needs are and what they need to do to be more successful, but I, I, I'm i not saying that Neil, not signing Nylander was a good idea, but I think you should have probably hammered it into your back end a little bit and get the defense rolling because that's kind of what the Rangers' problem is right now, which we'll get into later, is we need to do things a little bit differently, but I think that the core is there to do it. I don't really think it's that it's there for Toronto, but now you're kind of locked in with hoping that maybe you have some whatever their AHL guys are coming in and, and filling those roles when you need them maybe, but you know, you're notoriously a high scoring team that gets scored on as just as much and you can't sustain a playoff run. You can't sustain longevity. Yeah. You have Austin Matthews and Nylander is a, is a deadly combo, but obviously for the past three seasons, that's not been enough. So I don't know. Questions, thoughts, concerns. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. I definitely, I saw like, I, I saw the contract breakdown and I was like, all right, well, do you really want to be committed? Like exactly what you said. Like, do you really want to be committed to a guy for that long? Do you really want to be, you know, kind of in the hole for it was like 11 and a half million, 10 and a half million or whatever. Um, and then I look at the Blackhawks for like the past like decade were paying Jonathan Tays and Patrick Kane 10 and a half million each. And and was continuously producing, I mean, from 2010 to 2016, continuously producing and also having, like, a multitude of... Sorry if everyone can hear my kid. I don't care. Um, you know, they're continuously producing, and especially, you know, like, a couple of uh, playoff stints every now and then um, after 2016, you know, it's kind of like one of those where it's like, you know, what's his production over you know, how hard is the cap going to hit? You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. Like, if he's a continuously, if he's like, you know, every season is a plus 100-point scorer, you're kind of going to be like, you know what? Fuck it. But this begs the question of, like, what what happens to Austin Matthews now? Very true. And and it's it's to be seen. Again, it's to be fucking seen. We... It, the Leafs are always going to be a pain in everyone's ass because they're going to do so well in the regular season, and then we'll see what happens. Hey, this could be the year that things change, and it could go any way for anybody. I mean, the Rangers are going through a mini slump, which again, I will get into. They're going through a mini slump right now, but it it's just how hockey goes, right? I mean, you, no one was going to think that, which we'll talk about in a minute, Winnipeg was going to be a fucking wagon and just and just blister through what they're blistering through. So I... I, I <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say about that, man. It's we're gonna have to wait and see. But again, I think the short you can pay whatever you want to pay, but I think the shorter term contracts are really what you need to hammer in. That's such a man. That's such a low low risk kind of medium reward situation with the low contracts. Like you're gonna have that cornerstone franchise player, right? My whole thought process, like going into at least going into this year, knowing it's a William Nylander contract year, my whole thought process was like, okay, you know, maybe you'll sign them for like four or five years, right? Four or five years, maybe eight million a year or whatever, right? Which, saying it out loud sounds absurd, but is could possibly be a a, a very big possibility, right? But my thing is, is like, why wouldn't you offer that to Austin Matthews? 
You know what I mean? Or why wouldn't you offer something remotely close to that to like Mitch Marner or something, something of like your, your, your holy Trinity, right? You have Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner and William Nylander. Like why is one of those, one of those holy Trinity have a possibility to have such a, to get the bag, dude. And like, I, I don't know. I guess like my thought process of the whole thing is like, like, yeah, you, you, no one expects Winnipeg to be a wagon. No one expects Seattle to be a bit of a wagon this year too. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit when we start talking about Winnipeg. Cause I just saw something really cool that popped up on my Twitter. Um, but ah, man, I don't know. I just like I'm this this contract is a bit of a head scratcher, but it's also a not a head scratcher, right? Because you got a you got a player who's a consistent goal scorer, consistent point scorer, who is obviously entitled to a bag, whether he got it in Toronto, whether he got it in Chicago, Seattle, Boston, whatever. It's just that just for some reason. When I see that number, when I see like an eleven and a half million a year number, I'm thinking of like the same caliber as like a Sidney Crosby, a Patrick Kane, a Jonathan Taze, like whatever, right? You just don't equate that to William Nylander. And I don't know if maybe I'm just being that that's just like a super mega meatball take, or if that's like or if that has any sort of like longevity, if that makes any sense to you. Like, you know, I I, it, it I does. just I don't get it. To me, it, it doesn't does. make any sense. But I, I peruse through um uh cap friendly. And uh so here's what I got ready. Just bear with me here. So Cap Friendly says that Matthews has five years left on a deal. Okay. Five years till he's a UFA. Austin Matthews has already secured the bag. Actually. <laughs> so um Yeah, you're probably right on that. I have nothing I have no idea. <laughs> about toronto's cap situation so yeah um, you're probably right <laughs> marner is on a 10.9 million dollar a year deal right now and God. he's going to be he's going to be a ufa for 25 26 season austin matthews is matthews. um matthews is at an 11.6 for this year with a contract extension starting next year going until the 27 28 season and then the 28 29 season he will be a UFA but that contract extension puts him at 13.25 million dollars a year holy fuck in with with Tavares with Matthews with Marner and with Nylander okay just those four players they are going to be about 44 to 45 million dollars in just shit. in just those guys, and Whoa. if you want if you want to mix in the other the other people that they have, and this is just an example of how this shit goes, right? How all in Toronto is on their guys. You have um just a couple just a couple other dudes that have like that are locked in for a while, and their deals are like two million. Sure. Yeah, and then you got yeah. some fucking entry level contracts, but yeah, you're at in, your entirety of your your cap space is on four guys. That's where um, Toronto is. And it's not, it's not something that I think you should do. In my personal opinion, it's very, very hard to lock in these guys and only pay these fucking dudes. I mean, if you went to the Rangers, the same thing, you have Artemi Panarin at the top with like 11, six, which he's locked in until 26-27 season. And then Mika Zibanejad is the close second with 8-5. Now, I think 8-5 is a really fair number for Mika Zibanejad. I think that after his deal is over, is he due for an upgrade? Sure, but they have him locked in until like 28-29 season. Chris Kreider is a UFA 27-28, and he's only making 6-5. Don't get me wrong, I think that the people in New York usually take a hometown discount because playing for an original six team it's a lot more flashy to play for Toronto, especially when they do so well regular season consistently, right? You know you're going to do well for most of the season, so you know the vibes are going to be high. In New York, it could go fucking any way, dude. You know, it's not necessarily going to be a good year for you just because you have Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, and Shesterkin, right? It doesn't mean it's going to be a good. Uh, it's going to be a good year, but yeah, it's it's kind of crazy when you really break it down. Um, 
the debate is always going to be should NHL players make more? Should the cap space be higher? Absolutely. It's no Absolutely. doubt in my mind. No doubt in Absolutely. my mind. Artist work in sport ever. Yeah. But, I, I was just about to say, like, it is probably one of the, the hardest sports to play. Excuse me. So sorry about that. Um, um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. No, hockey is one of the hardest sports to play, right? Um, I, I, I've said it once. I've said it a million times. I still think baseball is the hardest sport because you have to hit a very small projectile with a very thin bat. Um, but, you know, there is no salary cap in baseball, right? You have a luxury tax, but there is no salary cap. Yeah, exactly. So, so you can afford to pay, for instance, and I understand this is a hockey podcast. I don't really give a fuck, all right? So I want to talk about this because it ties everything together. Shohei Otani, who is a highly, highly sought after, was a highly sought after free agent after this year, right? He's he's the guy that can pitch you seven scoreless innings as a starter, and then the next day he'll sit in your designated hitter spot, and then we'll hit forty four fucking home runs a year. Okay, that is that is a, a an an unprecedented skill. That is a that is something that you just you don't see ever. Like when it's a pitcher, pitchers don't hit, right? When it's a hitter, hitters don't pitch, right? So the fact that you have basically two players wrapped up in one, you know he's gonna be highly sought after. You know, he was he um he won MVP twice. Like he he had a very hefty price tag going on to going on his head coming into this free agency. The Dodgers signed him for I think it was like four six hundred and eighty million. I think 690 million, something absolutely fucking absurd like that for like 11 years, 12 years. And it it's just like you see that and you're like, oh, my God, that's almost a billion dollars that you're handing over a, over a span of X amount of years. Right. But then you look at, you know, you look at baseball or not, sorry, not baseball. You look at hockey and it's just like, OK, you know, the Blackhawks signed Nick Foligno for four years at two million a pop or two years at four million whatever right but you look and you just see like it's like maybe not even a full pers- like like a full whole number percent of what someone like Shohei Otani is going to make in his career with the Dodgers and you look at it and you're like Jesus Christ you deserve so much more you really deserve so much more playing a sport where you have knives on your shoes being chased by five other dudes who are six foot plus 200, 200 pounds plus um, that you can take their fucking head off if you wanted to. You know, it's just the, the hockey players deserve so much more money. I wish that they would abolish a salary cap in all sports, mind you. I wish they would abolish the the uh, the salary cap and pay based on production. You know, you I, have you have running backs in in the NFL that are damn near close to breaking every NFL record who are only making like twelve million a year. You know, it looks nasty when you you know when you break. It's like, oh, you signed for five years, you know, forty million dollars. It's like, okay, but break that down by an annual salary. You know I think I mean? that I think that I'm the complete opposite. I think the salary cap should be in every sport. Period. Because I think that it makes you have to be smart with what you're going to do for the next few years and then also you have an insight of what your team's going to look like for the next couple of years. Also, the most important thing is that 
it allows things like that to not happen like that happened in baseball, right? $100 million deals, $150 million deals, uh, $136 million deals for, uh, I get if, like whatever your cap could be, whatever you're, whatever you're paying. And I get that those are much more popular sports. I get that more people per area are going to be watching baseball and football, just depending on where you are, just period. Like there's very few, I would say that there are very few markets where, the hockey is the most watched sport, right? I, I, I'm right. not sure about that statistic, but I'm sure that it's probably like 90%, if not more. So again, it, it's when you have, I mean, think about it this way, right? I mean, not it's not that they don't deserve it, but re- Morgan Riley, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, Austin Matthews, William Nylander. That's five players, right? That's five right. guys in a league. That story. makes up statistically... of Toronto's cap space. Actually, that's 50% of what they can do in a year is those five players. And is it fair to say that those, is it right? I would say to say that those five players can't play together and that they don't deserve what they deserve. I'm not here to debate that, but what I'm saying is to get them to play together, it takes half your cap space. That's a fact. That's a reality. Um, For the Rangers, the Blackhawks, like, I'm sorry, real quick, but like, the Hawks on on injury reserve right now have like thirty four million dollars in cap space. On ice is like thirty two million dollars in cap space. So it's like, dude, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, I, I that's why I don't believe in like in this. That's why I don't believe in the salary cap because it's like, you know, yeah, you have those five for Toronto making up fifty percent of the salary cap. It's like, okay, congrats on bolstering your starters. But, you know, now because you have this number that you cannot go past, you have to start having those players have phantom IR stints to where you can kind of fish through that loophole um, to have them come back ready for the playoffs. And then, you know, you don't get salary cap penalties or anything like that. You know, same thing that was it Tampa did, I think, during their first. Yeah, the gymnastics. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. you know, I, I I don't believe that there should be a salary cap. I mean, if you got a player that is worth, you know, like like a Austin Matthews, for instance, right, or or like a Patrick Kane in, in in um when he like during like his prime with the Hawks, right? You know, I believe that Patrick Kane was worth more than ten point five million. Like I really do. For the like time I, and what he did, absolutely. There's nothing. There's no one that can argue that, in my personal opinion. Yes, right. I agree. But because there's a salary cap, you couldn't pay him more because you you had other players that you had to pay for. You had to fill the third and fourth line, your second and third D pairing. Like you had to fill those spots with players yep. who were obviously under Patrick Kane's caliber, but still deserve to get paid. But if yeah. you didn't have a salary cap, you could have probably paid Patrick Kane close to twenty million a year. That's and, true. And, and still be able to afford someone like an Austin Matthews, like a Morgan Riley, like a Jonathan Tavares, some shit like that. You know what I mean? That's what makes the game so great, though, is the fact that these players are so good they deserve more. You give them as much as you can give them, but you have a restricted amount that says, I'm not going to just put Austin Matthews, I'm not going to put Patrick Kane in his prime, Artemi Panarin, Igor Shosturkin in net, Jacob Truba mil- paired with Miller, like... You create mark, especially, okay, if you want to go that way, if you really want to go that way and be fair about it, right? Toronto, New York, and honestly, probably Chicago. And this is good for us, right? But the be- the bigger markets that have a bigger funding, because it's going to, it's not, you think Arizona is going to be able to afford those players? No, absolutely not. They can't do that. This makes it so that it's fair. And also when you guys get hurt, like they have been getting hurt, it's, it sucks. It's, it's painful, but that's what means that's what it means to develop your AHL team, your prospects, to pick the right guys, to get those guys moving. That's the tool you have to utilize. It makes this entire thing fair. And I would dare to say that the Hawks yeah. have not looked any better this season and not have tried any harder than when they have right now with the guys that they've been pulling up doing what they're trying to do. It creates, you know, tough tough seas make strong sailors or whatever they say like this makes it so that the Chicago Blackhawks have to come in and say, all right, we can bitch about this. We can be upset about this, but what are we going to do? And those guys come out swinging. And again, it's not where you want to be. It's not where you want your team to be in a constant rebuild of hurt and whatever, but it creates this type of 
environment in hockey that makes it seem fair. You can't stack an all-star team. You can't get all the best players in the world on one team. But and why? when people get hurt, why be- not? Because then the bigger markets like New York, I'm sorry, New York is going to be the best team in the fucking league every single year, undeservingly, because they have a bigger market. They have the most viewership. More people tune into New York games than almost any other team in the league. The only team that is better, I think, is Toronto. So Toronto and New York will see each other every year. They're always going to win because they can afford to get more people. I think it's two point whatever billion for the Rangers, and it's like two and a half billion for Toronto which is how much money they bring in. So the teams that bring in the most money are going to be the teams that win. That's not fair. That's not right. That, that creates an environment that is the most popular teams, the most popular clubs are going to be the best teams. And then Nylander, Matthews, Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, Jacob Truba, fucking Johnny Goudreau. I mean, throw anybody you want. They're all going to be playing for New York because they can afford it. They can afford to lock you in. They can afford to pay you what you want. No one's going to be playing for the bottom feeders of the team. It's going to be all AHLers, and it's going to be complete domination from New York. And would I love that? Absolutely, right? But the reason why you love hockey, the reason why you love watching hockey is you see the trials and tribulations all year. You see what happens from day one to the end of the season till they say, Captain, whoever the fuck, come get the Stanley Cup. You see sure. it. You see the grind. And if it would, if that made an unfair environment where you can just afford the most expensive guys, just depending on where you live, right? New York can afford anything. They're one of the most popular demographics in every sport, just because it's New York. So New York would be on top with everything. That's not right. It's not fair. Just like okay, Connor Bedard would not go and play for any other team because we could just buy him out. We could just price him out if any of the systems don't work, right? Okay, Connor Bedard, go and take your deal with Chicago. But guess what? When your fucking uh, restricted trade comes out and you're like a free agent again, you're going to get the most. We'll give you $10 million uh, second year deal in New York. Come on over. You can't afford that, Chicago. You're operating under the assumption that there wouldn't be any sort of penalties that you can just write blank checks to everyone. You, You can't do that. So, for instance, if you instituted the same rule that the MLB has, right, where you have the luxury tax, where it's if you surpass this. So this this amount of money you have, right? If you surpass it, you get charged thirty percent, or at least uh, last year was thirty percent. You get charged and penalized for going over that. So it's like a phantom salary cap almost. So yeah, it's but like, who can afford to pay that though? New York can. New York, New York can. can Toronto to can. That. Chicago can. Southern California can. Boston can. I would say Tampa could. Um, you know, those are six teams, six, six to nine teams that can afford to pay a salary cap. Now, the thing is, though, is like if you have the ownership or if you have the, the financial funding behind it, a team like Arizona could afford players like Austin Matthews, like Jacob Truba, like Artemi Panarin. They could afford players like that. And it, it, the the problem well the problem with fucking Arizona is that the fact that they're still playing in 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 a in a college stadium so it's like you know to use Arizona like you just need to move them out of fucking Arizona cuz it's obvious Arizona does not want the Coyotes playing there um move them to fucking Salt Lake where they actually want to have a pro team but this is a conversation for another time but um you got to have that you have to have that something something penalty in order for it to kind of become like a a fair playing ground right now obviously big market teams and it doesn't matter the sport but big market teams they have that money they have the ability to be able to pay Shohei Otani 690 million dollars or Artemi Panarin 110 million dollars like you you have the money to do so now the one thing that I don't like about the salary cap especially in hockey is that you have players like Artemi Panarin, you have players like, um, fuck, give me someone else, like, like, like Alex DeBrinket or, you know, Steve Stamkos or whatever, right? You have players like that who are franchise cornerstones who are tied to a certain number that is a very low number considering you are a professional sport. You are the highest level of that sport. You're tied to that number because, of course, the, the end goal for any se- any season, as soon as you start, the end goal is to raise that cup, right? Am I right there? That's, yes, that's the goal. 
Okay. The problem is, is now Artemi Panarin, who is who could be making anywhere from 18 million a year to maybe 15 million or 20 million or whatever. You have a player like that who is a cal- star studded caliber player like that. You now have handcuffed him to taking a smaller deal at ten and a half million because now you have to fill the rest of your the rest of your lineup to be competitive enough to win the cup. That's what I'm trying to say, and that's the only argument that I really have against the salary cap is because you could have a team where you have, you know, Artemi Panarin and Alex DeBrinkit and fucking Austin Matthews with Mitch Marner or whatever, right? Like you 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 have like the caliber if you don't have a salary cap, but you have a luxury tax, you have the the ability to afford all of those players to be a competitive team for a decade. You know, the Dodgers have been a competitive team for well over a fucking decade with one championship to prove it. So it doesn't matter how many how many players that you stack up in your lineup, it all matters on how you perform when uh, on the big stage. It, it it really it doesn't fucking matter, you know, if you could buy out Connor Bedard on after his his entry level contract if the Hawks don't offer him a nasty deal, right? You could buy him out. You could offer him like, "Hey man, on your you know, in your in your senior year of of your rookie contract, we're going to offer you $16 million because you're just that much of a playmaker and we want you to be the face of the Rangers. You can do that. The problem is, is come April, if you don't... Dude, a great example was when, um, you know, Patrick Kane got traded to the Rangers. Albeit, caveat there, he was injured. You know, but he was still performing at at an elite level while being like sixty percent healthy. So, I I, like I said, I I just I can't agree with it. It, it, If you want, you want to talk hard statistic numbers, right? Numbers that stick in my head. Like I use Arizona and Toronto as the example because they're extremes on opposite ends. Okay, five hundred sixty-five million dollar franchise is the Arizona Coyotes. Sure. Toronto is almost a $3 billion franchise, just under $3 billion. If Toronto wanted to, right, because, okay, you're going to take the tax. Who gives a fuck if you're going to take a tax for Toronto? You think Toronto gives a fuck if you can have your first line be Artemi Panarin, Trocek, and anybody else, right? And your second line, or Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard, Panarin, and Trocek is your first line. Your second line is Crosby, Malkin, Latang. Okay. Your third line is Austin Matthews, Nylander, and whoever the fuck else you want to put in there. And your fourth line is Patrick Kane, Debrinket, and anyone else that you want to put there. And then pair, you know, Jacob Truba and Brent Burns, and then Keandre Miller and fucking um, Carlson. You know what I'm saying? You can build the best team that I don't give a fuck what anybody says. That's an unbeatable team. For the love, like for just how hockey goes, there's sure. no way you're going to be able to beat that team. Toronto can afford to do it, and every single year, Toronto's going to put as much money as they can. Especially if the year went good before, fuck it, give me the thirty percent tax. It's going to destroy us, but who gives a fuck? We can afford to p- pay it. But guess what? Arizona cannot. But I'm going to use the same argument for like as as the Dodgers, right? Like they are, they've consistently for the past decade have been like. On paper, a team that should go 162 wins and zero losses every year. Statistically, like you got to look at their lineup and be like, there is no chance that this team, with all the money that their ownership has thrown at this team, there is no chance that they ever lose a game. They're going to sweep the playoffs. They're going to win six fucking uh, World Series back to back to back to back to back to back to back. Like there is no chance that they're ever going to lose. And they get bounced out of the first round. There's no chance. You can star stud your lineup no matter what, where you have Alex DeBrinkett and Patrick Kane playing on your fourth line because you have too much star power on your first three lines. You can do that all day. If you do not perform come April, you will get bounced out of the first round. Example, a good fucking example, the Bru- the Bruins. They you you they beat they they shatter the regular season win record. Coasting into the playoffs after clinching, what, six months before? Coasting into the playoffs and get bounced by Florida in the first round. You can star stud that lineup. You can have a fucking amazing fucking regular season. But if you don't perform in the postseason, you're fucked. And it doesn't matter who the fuck you put in there. It doesn't matter who you stud your fucking lineup with. 
you could throw a billion dollars at Austin Matthews and lock him up for 20 fucking years, but it doesn't fucking matter if he doesn't perform in the playoffs. But that's the, the only one... thing that I'm saying here. And this is the only argument. And then I'm going to, um, you know, we can cut it off here, but you can send all the fucking money to all of these players all you fucking want, but at the end of the day, if you do not perform in the playoffs, it was a wasted fucking year. I agree. I don't disagree with that. And the last thing that I'll close on is from Boston, Toronto, New York, any team that's won the Cup in the past 10 years. This is my only argument, okay? The main fact is there's a line one, there's a line two, there's a line three, there's a line four. There's a clear distinction for Toronto, for any of these teams that have played, okay? Maybe not, I and mean, even New, even Vegas. You can you can clearly tell who the best guys are. Okay, the difference that this will make is that there's no longer a line one, two, three, or four. Even in Boston, with all the star power that they have, there's a clear best line, a clear second line, third line. It slowly moves down from there, sure. albeit not including injuries. What this will create is four line ones that you can afford that you could not afford in the regular season. The reason why. A lot of teams will fizzle out in the playoffs. It's because you're relying on that top six or your best three players, like a like an Austin Matthews or a Nylander, to do what they did in the normal season and expect that to carry you through like it did, you know, in regular regular pre playoff season. The difference is now is now you have four stacked lines. If one lines off, you still got the other three. And if a team like Arizona makes its way through with all AHLers, because that's all they're going to have, because why would you not want to play with the Holy Trinity, with Austin Matthews, with Nylander, all these fucking players, because it's a sure fucking win. If you have the synergy and you're able to play with them, why would you not want to? It's going to be very hard for a team that can't afford to stud out four lines because it'll it'll create instead of it being one line line one line two line three line four there's going to be the major player teams are going to have line one line one b line one c <laughs> line one yeah. d you know what i'm saying it's going to make people who can't afford it and i get that there's a tax but the teams like new york and chicago and toronto will be able to take that hit and not care because it means bringing cups and bringing cups means more people watch which means it increases your viewership increases your money and it's like a never-ending cycle like yeah the more money we throw in the more we're gonna make because people are gonna fuck with our organization because we are winners now a conversation for another day about another thing totally fine but i'm against it you're for it but there are many things that can be worked out to make it a little bit better but i just i think that's half the fun of what hockey is right it's it sucks that they don't get paid enough and here's and just to be honest right if if the league did increase, so let's just say the 80 whatever to 100 per team. They wouldn't go for more players. They would just give the stars that are there more money. That's just what they would do. Oh, I, I think maybe maybe a year cap. I'm saying teams like New York and teams like Toronto are going to make sure they lock in their guys because why would like somebody like Columbus say, well, Johnny Goudreau's not really working out for us. Let's just pay somebody $17 million and then build a team around that guy because we have nothing else. Or a team like New York where it's like we're going to we're going to increase Mika Zibanejad. We don't want him to go. Chris Kreider, we want him to be a Ranger until he retires. That's just my personal opinion. And all we all we can both agree on, at least, and everyone listening to this podcast, is the NHL players are grossly underpaid. Grossly and it's, underpaid, yes. it's, it's sad that when you see someone like Matthews or Panarin making $11 million a year, you're like, that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. You need to get rid of this guy. That is too much money. That is seriously ridiculous. You know, like, that's <laughs> that's what you think. Like, I can't believe you're paying that guy almost $12 million a year, not taking in the fact that he played 82-plus games if, if they made it to the playoffs and that he's literally putting his body on the line and, like you say, playing fucking knife soccer. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy that we think that. But, again, it, it, it's, it creates a league that we have to think of things like that. And I think that it makes the – it's one of the many, many things that makes NHL one of the most superior sports, just period. Yeah, and then – um I know I said the last thing I said will will be the end of it, but I want. So you to... lied to me in the audience. Go ahead. I did. I did. Um, I am a. Uh, I'm a perpetual liar. Um, uh, uh... Dude, <laughs> I went. What's the what's the fucking what's the term for a for a fucking liar? Oh god damn it! I I can't remember. It started Nick. with a P. No, fuck you. 
I started with a P, not perpetual. Oh, fuck it. it pathological? I, huh? You pathological liar? Pathological liar. And my ass almost said I'm a pornographic liar. <laughs> I'm a pornographic liar. You watch porn? Nope. Are you lying? Yeah. <laughs> Do you watch porn? Yeah, I no. am. <laughs> no, the last thing that the the last thing that I'll say because you you sparked this. Uh, if if you can't agree to to just get rid of the salary cap and add a luxury tax to it, at least raise the salary cap for each team. Like, you know, hundred million a year. Take it to the eighty whatever. Make it a hundred million. Clean hundred million. Let any yeah. team do what they want to do after that. Right, exactly. I uh, that much I will agree with, and I think that that needs to be done because you have these star-studded players that that need to get paid more. Just out of principle, need to be paid more. Uh, sure, and then it allows you to spend a million or two at the end when you have the extra five million to get those young players in the lineup that could just take those entry-level deals that are you know eight hundred and something thousand yep. dollars and get them in the yep. league and and get their feet wet. Hundred percent. Like you know, you could offer you know you if it was raised to a hundred thousand dollars, you could have given Connor Bedard his first taste at a milli. You know, not no fucking was it eight hundred and twenty mil or eight hundred and twenty thousand or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. But well, this was a riveting conversation. I do enjoy when you and I argue. Um, That's what we're good at is arguing with each other. Well, here's another argument that I'm going to spout. Um, so I I know that you're you're familiar with the. Uh, Cutter Gauthier, 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 Gauthier. I know you're familiar with with him and the the Jamie Drysdale trade, but for those who aren't, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. let me break it down real quick. Um, yeah. Cutter right, Gauthier. Hold on. Before you get into this, I think okay. that this is All one right, of them. That's fine. Did the did the have, middle of my sentence interrupt have, the beginning of yours? You fuck. We have gotten past the hostilities. What I was trying to say. We are no longer arguing. Everybody else, relax. Yeah. Sit back. Turn your radio up just a little bit. Because if you're in the car, normally in the car, I listen to it in the car. But take a seat back. Now, now we're chilling out. This is friendly debate now. It's not so hostile is what I was going to say as you hosti- hostily just yelled at me. But we're going to take it back. We're just going to have a, a normal, simple debate. I Sorry for the hostility. You. you did. No, I didn't. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. Go ahead. You're a liar. Um, you're a pornographic liar and I'm tired of it. I was just about to say I'm a pornographic liar, okay? <laughs> you watching porn? Nope. Nope. Yeah, I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so for those that, that are unfamiliar with this, which I don't know how, if you're a hockey fan, I don't understand how you would be unfamiliar with this. But uh, a couple of days ago, I believe it was on the 8th or the 9th, um, the Ducks traded Jamie Drysdale plus a 2025 second round pick to the Flyers for the rights to cutter Gauthier. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Because there's a question that I want to pose to you that's probably going to start another argument. But what's your thoughts on this for a player that has not stepped on NHL ice yet um, for a pretty, pretty decent forward Injury ridden forward, but decent when he's healthy. What's your thoughts? Um, so to set the stage for this, uh, Carter Gauthier was drafted first overall, overall, ra- dra- first round overall draft pick for the Philadelphia Flyers. Say that five times fast, <laughs> but he, he gets drafted, he's in the organization for Philadelphia. He continues to be developed in college and playing for the World Juniors. He plays three times, I think. Um, he, everything seems fine. As a matter of fact, he was supposed to come up to the last training camp, which was this year. Before that happened, I guess he had just gotten out of like a World Juniors championship. He was going to play his sophomore year in college, and they agreed that after he played his sophomore year, he could come up to the NHL. So they said, hey, you can skip the, the, the training camp. You don't have to come through. So he's yeah, okay. People were worried that he wasn't at training camp, and that was what they said. Now, looking back in retrospect, maybe that was a fucking lie because I'm going to explain why, but maybe that was a fucking lie, but that's what they went with. That's the so reason that why was he wasn't a lie. A, so that was a fucking lie. But that was the reason why he was not at training camp, right? So the, years, the year progresses on. He's doing what he does. Apparently, Philadelphia cannot get a hold of Gauthier to talk about anything. Get him, you know, they want to interview him. They want to talk to him. You know, it's a young prospect. They usually have media for that. They have, especially, they do the me- big media day when they're doing, um, like the, 
the practice before the season and that like um, training camp, they usually have all the prospects out and then they do media day and they we usually interview the top prospects. And he definitely would have been one of the kids that they interviewed um, just to talk and just explain like, how does it feel? How you've been developing? What's it been like since you've been drafted? Well, they right. couldn't get a hold of him. After that, obviously, America, USA goes and wins the gold in Sweden in the World Juniors, which was a big thing. USA. And Philadelphia, their back office, go to Sweden to meet with him because they couldn't get a hold of him. Apparently, he did not want to meet with Philadelphia at all, period. Didn't want to talk to them, didn't want to say anything to them. And then immediately after this, because his his value so high he's uh he killed it in world juniors it was something like 10 goals and 12 assists or something insane right really really good for a young player he basically says hey look i don't want to fucking play for philadelphia at all and then people start dissecting it breaking it down it makes sense that he missed training camp and one of the interviews he said he was a pittsburgh fan growing up and you know they're probably not going to like it now, even to this day, we do not know why Cutter Gauthier did not want to sign with the Philadelphia Flyers, but we do know that he was a Pittsburgh fan. I don't know if it's as simple as I can't join a division rivalry. I, I can't see that happening. Though, if you asked me, being a Rangers fan, if I wanted to go and play for Boston, I know what the fucking answer would be, right? Um, it, it is a weird, it is a weird, weird situation. But what a weird like possibility for the reason he didn't want to play for Philly is because he grew up as a... F- a fucking Pittsburgh fan. Um, yeah, so then it comes out, they do the trade for Jamie Drysdale, which is left field for him. And then just to set the stage on it, because it was so fucking funny, then Philadelphia outlets explode across all outlets start going fucking insane they're talking shit about cutter they're saying all the things like if you don't want to play in philly then you ain't gonna play in philly like get your ass out of here boy you need to go and then they ask fucking tortorella what he thinks about it and he says i wouldn't know fucking cutter gochier from a hole in the wall like oh what a fucking i fucking hate tortorella I yeah. saw that shit. I watched the presser. I'm like, dude, you could not be more out of touch with your fucking team. Like, I, I just, I can't, I, I can't get my head around why this fucking asshole. And I swear to God, I hope Torts hears this. But I, he's listening. Just, I'm sure he is. I know he's listening in his car right now on the way to to the Flyers Arena or wherever they are because I don't know if they're home or away. But, um. I just I don't understand how you could be so out of touch. It's not like Cutter was drafted in the sixth fucking round and was like the 890th pick or whatever, right? Some absurdity where he's going to be playing in the fucking CHL for five years and then going to die in the AHL. He was a fifth overall pick to the Flyers last year. It was a big fucking deal. It was the, the first round is always a big fucking deal for these kids. And how yeah, are you going to sit there as a fucking coach and be like, I don't know, Cutter Gauthier from a hole in the wall. Bro, shut the fuck up. This, this is why no one wants to. And you know what? In all honesty, if Cutter was like, I don't want to play for Tortorella, I would applaud him and buy his fucking Ducks jersey. Because I'm just like, sure. dude, like, what? how can you be so out of touch with your fucking team? I don't get it. Like, I know Kyle Davidson probably knows every draft pick since he became the GM for the Blackhawks. I guarantee he knows every draft pick on a first-name basis, knows their family, knows their family's fucking names, remembers everything, and because, because Kyle Davidson is a, just a good fucking guy. And I understand you're talking about GM versus coach, blah, 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 whatever, right? Okay, well, same argument for Luke Richardson because Luke Richardson actually cares about his fucking team. And I just, I can't fucking stand Tortorella for that shit. I hated him when he was a coach for for uh, Vancouver. Hated him for when he was a coach for um, um, Columbus. Hated him as an NHL network analyst. Hate him now. I've never once ever fucking liked Tortorella and I have never once... Like, seen anyone that gives any sort of fucking respect to John Tortorella? I can see that maybe that's that could be part of the reason. I don't know if it's the full. Apparently, they had a conversation. It was a nice one, him and Cutter. But I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I'll say two things about Gauthier real quick. 
the first one is that's some stone cold nuts to have to say fuck you i'm not playing for philadelphia but on the same token i do think it's kind of like well buddy who do you think you are that you have a choice and obviously he had a choice because he was he was traded i just think the way that he went about it was a little bit unprofessional i think this kid has an opportunity to play and i get it if you don't want to play for philadelphia i get it do i don't look I don't think, and I'm sorry to hurt your feelings, but I don't think Connor Bedard's first pick was to play with fucking Chicago either, right? But I know that the kid wanted to get in the NHL because he deserved it, and he's a young generational talent. The team that wanted him is Chicago, and I don't think Connor Bedard would play anywhere else now just because of how he was received. And that's the point, right? You go where you deserve to go. You'll be where people want you to be. And look, organizations are dirty. They're scummy. You don't owe them shit. I feel the same thing about a job, right? I, if you were going to fire me, you weren't going to give me two weeks. You would fire me that day. So right. if I want to go somewhere else, I don't got to give you two weeks. You do what's best for you. I just feel everything leading up to saying I don't want to play for Philadelphia was unprofessional for the kid. And I get that he's a kid, but I think that's where he went wrong. It's the only thing I can say about Cutter that I don't like is the way he went about it was not right. Expecting that he deserved to play hockey somewhere. Because look, there's a lot of young generational talents that might not be as good as him, but want it more and would work harder and would get there eventually. And it just seems like a slap in the face to everyone you came along with and everyone you played with and every coach and every person, your parents who helped you along the way get there, just saying, eh, I really want to play for Philadelphia. Trade me. <laughs> I don't care. Like, it's just a little bit of an arrogance. And just to close off that little bit, good luck playing in Philadelphia because they're going to fucking hate you. Oh, for sure. They, they probably have like effigies made to light on fire. The moment Absolutely. the ducks enter, um, they're going to meet him at the fucking airport. <laughs> but it's going to be rough. So my my question, and I know that you you've already covered it, but I want to kind of sit a little bit more on this question. Do you think if you are in your entry level contract, right? Do you think you should have the right to say, "I don't want to play for this organization. I want to trade." Or do you think um, that you should have to shut up? Or do you think that you should sit there and, and take it for at least three years and then move on after? It's an interesting question that you propose for multiple reasons. Now, if you ask a normal person, right, they might say yes or no. Obviously, I think a little bit more different than that because I think of everything that would involve that, right? I can't just answer a fucking question right. that you ask me. So... For an example, he was drafted by Philadelphia, and you're saying should he be locked into having to play with Philadelphia for X yeah. amount of time? For his, maybe, yeah, for the may, duration maybe, of his entry level. Maybe, maybe, maybe possibly. If the rule is stated that when he's drafted by Philadelphia, he has to play his entry-level contract, which would be the first year with Philadelphia. Um, maybe, right? Because he was drafted by Philadelphia. But the only variable that I have which I would think I'm going to come up with a rule with it right now. The only rule that I would have is that nine times out of 10, Connor Bedard is the outlier. This does not happen. You do not have junior hockey or college hockey coming straight to the big leagues and playing in the NHL, locking in and playing forever. It happens very rarely. Nine times out of 10, those guys will go to the affiliate league, the American Hockey League, or the Eastern Hockey League, or somewhere in that nine times out of ten, if they're a generational talent like that, they will go up to the farm team, which is the AHL. Now, to say that Cutter Gauthier can only play for Philadelphia as the entry-level deal basically means the only people who have a chance to play him when they want to is Philadelphia. And if Philadelphia doesn't have the space or the want, they could keep him in the AHL for a long time before they bring him up. And if the rule is he has to play with Philly first, basically that would mean he's locked into never playing professional hockey unless Philadelphia decides. So if you were to make the rule, drafted by the team you're drafted by, you have to play your entry-level deal in the NHL with that team, or an amount of years that in the AHL before that expires. So perfect example, like, Let's say someone like uh, Lafreniere. Drafted, first-round draft pick. You're going to have somebody come in. Perfect. That's fine. Now you have someone like uh, Brendan Otherman. He's a prospect for the Rangers organization. They have him come up. They bring him to 
the Hartford Wolfpack to play his first professional season this year, and they pull him up when they want to. Because of how things work with the affiliate team to the NHL, basically, you can call guys up with no penalty as long as they're sent back down after a certain amount of time, and they do not have to clear waivers. If there's a guy inside your lineup, as an example, let's just, for I know this would never happen, let's just say Artemi Panarin. If you wanted to send Artemi Panarin down to the AHL because he's already rostered and he's been playing, he would have to clear waivers. It gives everyone a chance to pick him up if they really want him, right? They have to go with his deal. They have to pay off his deal. Negotiations have to be made. But there's an option to grab Artemi if you want him. With the guys in the in the AHL, what they could have done with Philly, right? Bring Cutter over to the AHL, bring him up for a couple games, try him out, love him, and then send him back down to the AHL and take no penalty. That's the only thing I can see. If that was an implemented rule, there would be things done behind the scenes like the cap gymnastics where they do kind of shady shit just to make sure he doesn't leave. And theoretically, he's not in this entry-level contract because he didn't sign one because he's technically playing for the Hartford Wolfpack and not full season in the NHL. You know what I'm saying? So like there there are like hoops and hurdles he'd have to jump through. So I would say I would agree if he's drafted he has to play with the Flyers because he was drafted by the Flyers, but there has to be an ex- expiry time in the AHL where that is no longer valid because you have the chance to bring him up, but you can't keep him down there forever or play the gymnastics where you bring him up and down. That's my personal opinion. Okay. Well, that's that's about as uh, that. Yeah, I know that yeah. took the fun out of the question, and I you know that you all wanted... of the fun out of the fucking question. This is not an analytics podcast. This is a meatball podcast. Yes, if you sign with the Philadelphia Flyers, then you should have to play your entry level contract. Who cares about the rules of everything else? But I do kind of agree with that. Now I disagree, sir. No, <laughs> now because of all the information you just gave me, I disagree. You shouldn't have went that deep. You shouldn't have told me all that because now I'm thinking different. <laughs> No, I, I'll I'll take a, a simplified approach to this. I think it's your rights as a as a player, right? Um, you should be able to exercise them any sort of way you want. So if you get drafted by the Flyers, and you're sitting there like, I don't want to p- fucking play for the Flyers. I want to play for the Ducks. Then you, as a player, should have the right to be able to go to your GM and say, I want you to trade my rights. I will not be playing as a Philadelphia Flyer. Uh, here is a list of teams I want to play for. I need you to make this happen. Um, so I'm like, I want to, I want, you know, I want to be traded to, to X player or X team, right? Cool. All right. So your GM, your GM will go, all right, well, going to trade you. So for instance, going to trade you to Anaheim because you know that's where he went, right? I think that you should be able to do that, but also it's going to have kind of implications for the future, right? So it's like a it's a, it's a pro and con situation. Like, cool, you have the rights to your own contract. That's great. But also, think about how it's going to look to the adverse GM who's accepting the trade of like, okay, well, what happens in two years when we're, you know, when we're talking or whatever, and, and you have, uh, sorry, I'm hearing outside conversation. Um, you know, but like, so, so say it's like a couple years down the, down the, down the road when you're playing for Anaheim after you get traded, you know, how do you as a GM think like, okay, well, you know, we just traded, you know, a, a second round pick for the next year and also this other NHL player. Who's to say you're going to actually sign with us? You know what I mean? So it's like there's implications on both sides, um, but I'll keep it short and sweet. I feel like you as a player have rights to your own contract and your own kind of like legacy. You know what I mean? Um, I don't disagree with that. I just say I just the the whole thing that I want to hammer down is I don't think it's wrong for him to want to play for another team and not want to play for Philadelphia. I just think everything leading up to it was where he made a mistake. Yes, he's a young kid, but usually the kids that are in the NHL organization are pretty humble. They come from not usually a poor background, but they come from a hardworking background where the parents, you know, they're 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 everydayers. Like they do this every single day. So they have a sense of responsibility. And I just don't like the way that he went about saying it. It's it you can say whatever you want to say, 
but at the same time, the way he went about leading up to it was what he was where he went wrong personally. It was very unprofessional. For and sure. now, guess what? Anaheim's gonna have you by the nuts because a lot. I'm sure a lot of teams are not gonna want to pick this kid up, and I guess he's not gonna play for any team he doesn't want to fucking play for. But you know, it, it creates a, a connotation that's like, well, you don't want to play anywhere else. We own you. No, we're not going to give you a $2 million raise this year because you don't want to play anywhere else. So it's either you play with us with what we give you or you fuck off and not play in the NHL because nobody else wants you now. Right. not saying that's going to happen, but it creates an environment where that but, could be a possibility. But it's a possibility. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, the last thing I'll say on it is, you know, I, I wish Jamie Drysdale a healthy career because I know he's pretty injury ridden. And I also wish Cutter Gauthier a, a healthy career, and I hope that he finds his niche in Anaheim. 